Thanks for doing this, mate. Um, look, we've got, obviously, with it being Friday afternoon and silly season, we are recording this so that people can view this after the event as well, and I will give you a recording of this as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've got the pleasure of having uh, Danny here, who's the Head of Tax Australia for Coinly. Of course, we've done a lot with Coinly in the past, and uh, it is the platform that I use to essentially bring everything together so that we can actually get our records and make it work. And what we want to be doing today is just discussing a few of the tax environments here in Australia. Of course, for ju different jurisdictions, there will be different laws and whatnot. But um, thanks so much, Danny, for taking some time out of your busy day to uh, have a chat with us, mate. Yeah, thanks, Greg, and it's great to chat. Yeah, we, look, we've, if anyone's got any questions throughout this as well, we're going to be going for about 20 minutes, half an hour. We'll keep it short, succinct to the point, because I believe you're flying to London after this, aren't you? Um, I will be next week. Not no, it's next after. week. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so look, just to kick things off, I think one of the important things that people have been asking me, of course, this year we have seen Celsius go file for Chapter 11. We've seen FTX Australia file as well for something similar and in different jurisdictions, BlockFi. Um, we've seen the losses of Luna. Uh, there's been an awful lot of events that have had people make some fairly sizable losses. So I think maybe to kick this off, it's to maybe differentiate administration and loss and how we can work that in to uh, tax filings each year. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a really important time to be discussing this as well, because you know, it's only really after the fact that a lot of people realize, well, is there anything I could have done that could have helped me, you know, in, in this situation? um for tax purposes and you know often often there are steps you can take along the way um to make sure you keep good records and so on so yeah definitely a good time to talk about it so what what is the difference so let, let's say for a lot of people in this community currently what we've got is we've got people that have taken um a lot of uh loss in the ftx saga um and i'm sorry just fixing that up uh, a lot of a lot of money is tied up in this FTX saga, and of course, it's very similar to Celsius uh, and whatnot there as well. So, what is it? What's the difference between someone that's gone into administration? Because we can't necessarily class that as a loss until it has been realised. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And I guess taking you know one step back from that is you firstly work out whether you're actually eligible. To, to be under the CGT regime in the first place. So if you're running a business, different rules are going to apply. But let's say, you know, let's focus that most people are going to be investing as individuals. They might have um, crypto investments as a side hobby or, um, you know, have a full-time job that they do, which is outside of crypto. So let's, let's assume that most people are subject to CGT. The consideration then comes, well, can you actually claim your loss, right? And the way, the way we are currently for the FTX saga is you go through the chapter 11 proceedings, you may or may not get some of your funds back. And we've seen this with Malik Gox, you know, it took years to go through this process. Um, and so, you know, in order to actually claim a capital loss and just, again, just for context around that, the idea being that your losses can then offset any future gains that you have, right? So if you make a capital loss, um, and then you make a capital gain in the next year, then, you know, if you're, if you're on the CGT, you potentially offset your loss with that gain and you can carry that forward in the future. So they, it really is a good silver lining if you have incurred losses. Now, typically that's 
when you've actually disposed of your asset. So, you know, if you've sold it, changed from BTC to ETH or transferred, um, you might have gifted it to someone and so on. Uh, but in this in this sense, whether you've actually kind of disposed of your asset with the FTX saga or in liquidation terms is, is, is actually a murky area. So, you know, first and foremost, the actual implications of this are really great. So there's no, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a clear answer now from anyone um, around whether you can actually, uh, you know, claim your loss as of today. And in most, most likely you can't. And so where we're at is we go through chapter 11 proceedings, you, you know, down the line when it's discovered that there's, you know, X amount of funds left on the platform and all the creditors have been paid out and loans have been paid back then users might start to receive funds. And at that point, there's a question as to whether you can claim a loss or not. And that's actually still very unclear. So, you know, I'm definitely seeing some conflicting um, reports out there around, you know, whether losses can be claimed or not. And, you know, really it's just being careful at the moment because in most cases, you've, you know, your funds are just still stuck in mm. the protocol. You're kind of in this limbo period, uh, which is really frustrating for FTX users. But does that also mean that any gains that we would have there as well are not to be considered gains because we can't really access? And for another thing to consider is because we can't log in, I'm not sure if you can log in anymore, but there was a period where you couldn't log in to get your records and transactions at all. So for a lot of people that didn't already have their transactions, mine were all there on Coinly to start off with because I've been going through that process. Uh, so I've got them. But for people that haven't got them, how do they navigate? Because they can't show anything to the ATO and say, here's my profits and here's now locked up. They just It's just out there in the ether. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, if you are going to claim anything on your tax return, you actually have to have the evidence to support it. Mm. Right. That's arguably more important than just putting the number in. And so, you know, how do you, can you actually evidence that in your current state? Now, if you, if you took screenshots of your balances, when FTX, you, when you're still able to log in, um, whether you kind of use software and plugged in um, that way and have able, have been able to retain some records, you know, if if you're in the unlucky position where you actually have nothing to prove, then you know it's actually because it becomes a bit of a black box at the moment. It's actually really hard to be able to substantiate anything, whether mm -hmm. it's a gain, whether it's a loss, whether you've traded in that period when FTX halted withdrawals, but kept their platform open for trading. And so, you know, there, there might be trades that people have made that are kind of notional or theoretical because they happened on the platform, but you couldn't withdraw anything at the time mm. and you don't have anything to prove for it. Um, so, so that's going to be the real challenge because tax authorities aren't going to accept your word when it comes to these things. They're going to want to see evidence and proper evidence that too. And they're also quite prescriptive over, you know, what good evidence looks like. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be the real challenge is how do you actually show you've, you've held balances in FTX and what you might have done between the point at which you couldn't withdraw and they actually shut down the whole platform. And okay, so that's so essentially to box the whole sort of Celsius, FTX, BlockFi, all these other companies that are in a very similar position to box that at the moment, it sounds as though from your standpoint, the information to us is we don't really know right now because it is in, in the administrator's hands. Um, when it comes around to doing our taxes, we, which will be the next this, this current financial year that we're in. Um, we'll have to wait and see how far along proceedings have become. We'll play it out 
to see what information we can actually lodge. Is that sort of the standpoint there? Yeah, and you know, I've actually seen that the ATO have actually responded in their community forums. So they actually have um, a way that you can ask them questions on an informal basis, and they give you an interpretation of of their view. But it's not really binding. You can't you can't use that as kind of evidence or anything. But they're kind of saying, you know, in its current state, with the withdrawals just being paused, yeah, you, it's not enough to claim a loss. And based on their guidance on what you need to claim a loss, that that probably is the case, right? You need to be able to show that you don't have beneficial ownership, that, you know, there's been a CGT event. Um, and these are, you know, again, prescriptive um, in the law. So, yeah, I think I think at the moment it's kind of wait and see. A, there might be further guidance on this, right? Because this is something that's that users have been affected by on a really widespread or industry-wide basis. Um, and perhaps it, you know, it's, it's more significant than some of the collapses that we've seen in the past. And you know, I think even the, um, the firm that are looking at uh, FTX at the moment that have taken over the affairs and the operations have said, you know, this is fraud like we've never seen before. And they were, they were dealing with Enron. So um, yeah, I think this is a, a, a really widespread um, scenario here. Lots okay. of implications. So it's wait, wait and see on this for the time being. So ladies and gentlemen, there's the first thing, relax. There's nothing you can do right now. Um, take that out of your head and forget about it because it is what it is and it will be what it will be. And we can't do anything about it. Um, what we can do about that, let, let, let's, let's talk about something like the Luna collapse because a lot of people, obviously with that being a top 10 token, uh, a lot of people held Luna in their portfolios. Now, depending on where they bought it will depend on the loss and to exercise that loss that can be used in your filings to the ATO, we would need to print that trade as a loss, right? So let's say I converted one Bitcoin into Luna at the time, now it's worth none Bitcoin. I crystallize that loss by converting it back to Bitcoin, show that as a loss based on the dollar value of purchase price, which your accountant should be able to do. Um, you've got to work with an accountant, obviously, with this sort of stuff. It's always good to have a good accountant because you pay them, they save you more times than not, and they make your life easier. So we have to, we have to crystallize that loss and then submit that. Now, if we do that, what can that loss then come against and in what years? Because obviously it's only happened this financial year. Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, if you can if you can prove that transaction history that the wallets belong to you or the addresses and exchanges and so on, um, then you go and claim that loss and carry it forward until you make capital gain, basically, and so or a net capital gain. So you know, let's say all you do is is all you've traded is Luna um, at the crash, and then in the next financial year you've made a gain on Bitcoin, for example. In that scenario, you'd be able to offset the loss against any gain that you've made. And it's ring-fenced just against your CGT assets. Mm -hmm. So you can't go and say, well, you know, I've got a loss on Luna. I'm just going to reduce my taxable income. It doesn't work like that. So you've you got to see it as being ring-fenced in this CGT regime. Uh, but again, you know, can you prove it? Have you got the records and so on? And that's, you know, the ATO will come and ask you to substantiate your claims if you do make claims. So, yeah, it's just worth noting that good evidence really helps. And there's, you know, the ATO are clear on what that evidence looks like. It's also, you know, we mentioned there's not much we can do in this position, you know, with these types of events. But I suppose one thing we can do is just work out 
what records we have and collate that. So, you know, whether that is screenshots from when you've used the platform just before it crashed, whether that's, you know, you've used software like Coinly and you haven't yet refreshed your API because the API no longer works, by the way, for FTX. Um, so if you've had your balances in there, then, you know, that can be used. Um, the ATO do actually say um, software, ta crypto tax software is, is record keeping or a part of record keeping. So, you know, that that would also help. But just have a think, you know, what you actually have on file to, to show you've had the funds. Because then down the line, when the scenario is a bit more clear on whether you can claim a loss, you know, after all the creditors have been been paid, after all the debts have been repaid off FDX, then that's when you can work out, well, okay, well, I may have something here, but how do I show that I actually owned it in the first place? So I'd say that's probably um, important to just, just think about for now. And so for, for those that have, you know, we use Luna as an example because that is a, it's a crypto that's crashed and you can substantiate that by showing the trade record, which we should be keeping our trade records anyway for tax. Um, that will be essentially a pay it forward, an IOU on future profits. So let's say, let's say I lost $50,000 with that lunar collapse. Um, I put one Bitcoin in at the time, Bitcoin being 50,000. So that's the transaction. That's $50,000, boom, boom. Now it's worth no dollars. I show that position. Now I've essentially, <clears throat> uh, if I make $100,000 next year, I can use that that uh, IOU from the market to say, well, I lost 50 grand last year. I'm going to put that with my 100 grand. Now we're talking about a CGT event of 50,000 as opposed to 100,000. Is that more or less right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's important to remember as well, in order to make sure you can claim the loss, you actually have to declare it on your tax return. So you can't just have it in your mind, you know, oh, I've lost this much in previous years because they do carry forward. But you, you actually have to say in, in your tax return, and there's a schedule for this um, that you can, that your accountant will be well aware of to say, hey, you know, I've got, I've got this amount of loss from the year and they'll carry it forward each year. Yep. Um, so that it will actually pre-populate when you, when you do go and do your next year's um, return. And you'll be able to say, here are my carry forward losses. It should match with what was in your previous return. So you've got to lodge that each year. You can't then go back and say, oh, look, back in 2020, I made a loss of $60,000. I know I didn't declare it, but it is there. We have to do yeah, it each it has year. To be declared and it's, I guess it's two-way street, right? Because it's the same with, with gains and losses. It falls under the same regime. So, you know, the difference there is the ACO probably aren't going to knock on your door and say, hey, you had some losses, but they will if you had some gains. Um, so yeah, it's up actually. Yeah, funny that. But it's up to you to, to to actually disclose them and put them in your in your return. So that's what a lot of people are using Coinly for this year. Obviously, people are generally hurting with their investments um, in crypto. So yeah, I mean, people are using using the software to actually say, well, I've made this this amount of loss. A, what is that loss from my transactions during the year? Um, and and you know, what do I need to um, substantiate? What do I need to have to substantiate that and put that in my return? So yeah, very important. And guys, if anyone's got any questions, please do let us know. We've got a limited amount of time that we can speak with Danny here. Um, so Danny, with oh, question for Coinly, what happens if I miss the tax deadline at the end of October? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So 
end of October is the deadline for individuals. If you've got an accountant and you had registered with an accountant before October, you probably have an extension until next year. Uh, but that's worth checking if you had an accountant. If you don't, I would say go and get one because they will be able to help you manage that process. Um, and you know, it's it's always worth being upfront and forthcoming with the ATO because it's not about just declaring your numbers and if, if there's a fine, paying the fine. It's also to demonstrate that you've got a good compliance record because that does um, have weight when it comes to... Um, you know, future things that might impact uh, penalties or interest and so on. So, you know, if it's a first late lodgement, um, you, you may be able to just very, very quickly get your return in, speak to an accountant, how can you m- mitigate any future risk on your reputation as a taxpayer and so on. Um, but, you know, never, never just sit on it if you have missed the deadline. I'd say always just go and um, try and get that in as soon as possible. And what is it like when we did our quarterly reports, obviously we plug in our APIs and do all that sort of stuff. Mm. We then go and go, you know, get the records. Um, how much work does it take to make that all balance? Because that's a question I've had in the past is that you might put it all in, it might miss something or it, it doesn't balance completely. How do our accountants then go, well, ooh, it doesn't balance. What, what do we then do at that point? Is, is it a declaration that we've done our best? Like, how do we make that process of, okay, it doesn't fully balance, but we don't know why, and we're not tech whizzes, so what do we do? Yeah, so I guess, well, firstly, generally, Coinly will highlight where it doesn't balance. So, you know, if there's any errors, it will just say, hey, you know, there's missing purchase history, because uh, you have to connect everything essentially from the beginning of time for it to accurately calculate your gains. You can't just upload what you've transacted with in the, in the tax year, right? Because it doesn't know when your original purchase might have been to then calculate a gain or loss. So yeah, I think that's the first thing. Uh, check those errors that come up. If there are kind of balances that seem off with what is on the exchange, again, if it is if it is flagged on Coinly, like address that through there. But you know, with when it comes to crypto people are transacting in very complex ways, right? So people might be really involved in DeFi, people might be using protocols that are just, you know, or blockchains that um, are just very, very niche or nuanced that not many people have heard of. If that's the case, then yeah, your best efforts are gonna be important. But again, like having documentation or some kind of record to substantiate whatever you're doing. So even if that's taking a position um, that software doesn't necessarily take or if you have if you have some balances that you can't go through software and that you have to manually add fine but then show why you're manually adding things um and you know have that generally from first principles so don't just have a random spreadsheet with numbers in try and show that it's your account belongs to you you own it these are the balances in that account and so on because a lot of people right now, I mean, with crypto, a lot of people do see it as a utopian environment where we don't need to pay tax. But actually, that's a, it's probably worth touching on that because it's interesting. This year, when I when I did my tax, I actually got a note from the ATO saying you've held crypto, and so the facts are that the ATO actually collect information from banks and from Australian exchanges. Yep, the Australian exchanges essentially are obligated to provide transactional information to the ATO. And the way they actually use it is quite interesting because they take that information almost as a bulk kind of data feed 
And they will then retain that and compare with what you disclose on your tax return. So very often, so firstly, they'll notify you, you've got crypto, don't forget to declare it. But then, you know, when you do come to lodge your return, if say their checks on what you might have transacted with or what your gain should be is off with what you've disclosed, that's when they can pull you up. So they do have the data on it. And that's why I say always best to just be forthcoming. Yeah. If you know you've missed the deadline, do, do the best you can to actually get that return in as soon as possible. Uh, and again, yeah, use a, use a proper accountant that, that can navigate this for you. I had the exact same thing with my accountant. It, was, it, it just shows you that, you know, there is no escape. Not that I, I don't think, you know, escaping things, that's basically tax evasion, which we don't want to be doing that. It's a, you know, there are very sensible ways that we can minimize our tax in a legal sense depending on the structure of the company or the structure of how you set things up. And that's why it's so crucially important to, uh, to have uh, a good account. Now, Dan's asked a question. On the off chance we do get some of our funds, coins back from FTX, will we get them at current market value potentially years later or backdated to the prices when the crash occurred? What has happened in similar situations in the past? Good question. Yeah, I think with Mt. Gox, it was actually based on current market value. So, you know, it's, it, it is a... It might be a unique situation with FTX or if that actually happens, like there's definitely no prescriptive kind of way in which this should be done. So I think it's basically the best that these exchanges can do with the balances they have. Um, so yeah, I mean, even, even so, whatever comes out of the exchange might, it's important to remember that that might not be the same for tax purposes, right? So even if you did receive a certain amount from the exchange, and you lost, you know, say, I think in the Mount Gox example, they're, they're saying around 20% of your funds may be recovered, right? So let's say you've lost the 80%. Where do you actually take the, the numbers to be of the loss, right? Is it when you actually had your withdrawals paused? Is it at market value when they've gone through the chapter 11 process a number of years later? And that's, that's actually the real kind of technical issue. And it's really complex, right? It's really hard because in tax law, you've got to go to, well, when have you actually lost beneficial ownership? And when, when has the CGT actually event actually occurred? Um, so these are the real kind of complex questions, which is why we can't give these, you know, straightforward, easy answers. One size fits all answer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, thanks for the question, Dan Reese. How does the ATO view a scenario like this? A trader is in many swing trades that are in the red right up to June 30, sells them all to realize a loss for that financial year and then re-enters the trades. Yeah, so that's gonna be a wash sale and likely you can't then use that loss, right? So we haven't mentioned wash sales, but we have talked about losses. So it's probably important to talk a little bit about wash sales and wash trading. So yeah, effectively, if you've made a sale or you've disposed of your um, assets to purely realize the loss, right? So you actually have no intention of, or you actually don't want to sell the asset, but you want to claim the loss. Um, that's called wash sale. So then you go and rebuy that very, very quickly after 30th of June. So you might sell on like the 27th of June, reacquire, you know, 3rd of July or something. Um, so you won't actually be able to claim that loss. And if you do and you get audited, the ATO will probably overturn that and say that's a wash sale. So yeah, 
that's also hot on the ACO's agenda. So they, they have come out this year a number of times saying don't engage in washed sale strategies. Uh, they don't work. And also it's the same for a lot of other markets as well, you know, US, UK, etc. But you're going to be, I mean, the, the concept of that, I, I get the concept for the immediate tax benefit, potentially, if it's a loss, running at a loss. But then let's say you're buying it back, as you say, on, you know, you sell it the 27th to crystallize a loss. Uh, you use that in your financial year tax records to, you know, avoid paying, you know, as part of your strategy to pay less tax. We'll use those words. Uh, and then you buy it back on the 3rd of July. Then it goes up. So you're... I'm just trying to work out why you would do that because effectively if you've bought it lower again you, you get the loss this year but now you've got a bigger profit the following year so you you still find yourself in a similar position because you've got to pay the capital gains tax on that move of that year right because it's going to be within 12 yeah. months if you buy it if you buy it back on july 3 and then you sell it june 27 and try and do something in that realm then you're inside of 12 months so your cgt event's going to be taxed at a much higher rate right yeah, and it's it's just not commercial, right? So the reason you made that trade has nothing to do with your strategy to in the market. It's just to purely realize a tax loss. And so that's when the ATO go, well, you know, no, this doesn't work. And generally in these kind of scenarios, we see that playing out in tax law, you know, not just for individuals, but for businesses as well. Like wherever you're making um, a transaction purely from a tax perspective, that generally seems too good to be true, then yeah, it is. It probably is. So yeah, that's that's just a general kind of rule of thumb that I I use because you know it's it, and that one's a basic one, right? So the ATO are well aware of those wash trading strategies. They will you know apply compliance resources to them if they think you have um, done a wash sale. What they don't do in Australia, which they do in other, in some other countries, is apply like a day limit to it. So for example, you know, in, in, in Canada, they, they apply like 30 days or 31 days before the transaction and the same after. And so if you, wow. if you trade with the same asset, it's a blanket wash sale. If you sell and reacquire the same asset, that's it. Um, in Australia, you don't have that day period, but you know, you have to use judgment there as to whether you are selling just to get the loss. And, you know, again, it's something the ATL wants to Yeah, and look, we'll, we'll wrap with one final question here from Jeff. It's, it's a pretty broad one, but um, I, I, you know, I'll put it to you as well. Do you think the government should put in place greater regulation to protect future FTX-style events happening or is FTX a unique situation? I'll start with that. Because FTX, A, being a fantastic platform for traders uh, with good liquidity, uh, they went ahead and got an AFSL which for a lot of clients meant it was a pain because they now went down to two, two times margin as opposed to up to 20, which is what it was. Um, that's a regulatory thing that needed to happen. Regulation, which they had, they were under an AFSL, they were governed by ASIC, but yet this has still happened. What we're sitting back now hoping is that the ASIC regulated environment and the audits that needed to be conducted to remain you know, within that environment and be essentially following the laws that perhaps that will save us. Do we need more regulation? Is there anything wrong with current regulation? Or is this FTX ordeal, of course, it hasn't unwound just yet. Is this something that's just a, you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered anyway? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I do, I do think this FTX fallout is obviously going to call for more regulation, right? And I think where we probably do need it most is around consumer protection. Yeah. And so, you know, exchange some exchanges have had a for sale. Obviously, FTX did. I think there's, you know, it, it, it's tempting for many to just go and put FTX in the crypto bucket and extrapolate that throughout the industry. And it's not because yeah. what happened with FTX is very unique to, you know, the circumstance and plainly it, it, it appeared to be really, really bad fraud. And it's not, you know, so again, you know, I think we are going to see more regulation on the consumer protection side. Um, and, you know, we've, we've already seen calls for that. The Treasurer of has actually come out and kind of highlighted that. We know Treasury are doing token mapping exercise. They're trying to work out you know, what different buckets of crypto need to actually be regulated. Um, so I suspect there'll be some, um, you know, increased focus on that when it does get released. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we're on our half an hour slot that we've got here, Danny. I appreciate your time massively. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, this is coinly.com. There you go. There's the guide there that uh, they've just posted up there in the chat for you guys to go and have a look through it for varying, uh, various different topics that we've just discussed go and have a look at a bit more detail if you do decide to work with coinly uh, as a resource use tc30 that's our little code there for you to get a discount there as well and i can tell you as a user myself it has made the process because it's daunting you know when you've got 10 different accounts that you work with it's a it's hard to get often the what you're after plugging through the api has been a big big help uh, and of course, you know, anything that helps us as traders and part of the journey of being a trader is not just keeping records of your actual trade so you can learn from them by looking at the actual physical, you know, the, the actual visual chart and seeing what you can improve on next time. It's also keeping records of your trades and running this like a trading business. And part of business is paying tax. And uh, you want to be paying tax because paying tax means you're making money. So I would highly recommend you guys and girls out there uh, go and check out the Coinly information. Uh, TC30 is the code. And again, Danny, thank you so much for giving us this time and helping to demystify a number of questions that have been coming through. And um, if there's any other questions that people have, please let us know and uh, get in contact with Coinly. Thank you very much for your time today, Danny. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well done. Have a great day and I'll speak to you later on. Bye for now. Cheers.